0: Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. And that book is available as a paperback, an audiobook, and the ebook is free. Free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. Um, for more information on that, as well as the two sequels for which you pay cash money, head to ninja.com. You can also find out some uh, more information about my work for older readers under the name Robert Kent. It's a very secret pen name. No one could ever decipher that, that impossible clue. Uh, And more important even than that, you can get interviews with thousands of uh, editors, authors, literary agents, the entire back catalog of the show. Everything that is good in this world is available at MiddleGradeNinja.com. So visit that and by God, let's start the show. I couldn't be more excited. We're talking with uh, Aura Lewis today. Aura, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Rob?
0: I am thrilled to chat with you. Uh, Because I've got all kinds of questions, and you've done uh, some interesting things uh, with your career that uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about, plus your your new book. Um, So I don't summarize other people's biographies or other people's books, because I just make a mess of both. Uh, And how painful for you to sit here uh, listening to me butchering (laughs) it when you're right there and could do a better job. Uh, So probably the best place to start is if you would give esteemed audience kind of an overview of your background, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, Yeah, so I'm an author and illustrator, and um, I make books for kids um, of different ages, so from picture books, um, some middle grade, and um, I also have one book for adults, Um, and yeah, I am originally from Jerusalem and Israel, so I grew up there and I moved to the States for um, grad school with my husband. And yeah, I've been full-time author illustrator for about the past five years or so. Um, that is the short version.
0: <laughs> there is a lot to unpack and I'm gonna do my best to try and, and, and uh, get to a little bit of everything. And we're certainly gonna talk about Uh, Spectacular Sisters, which is available November 9th. Um, So as esteemed audiences listening to this, I believe it should already be available. You can be picking up your copy right now. Um, I had read that you, um, I I want to talk about the work that you're doing as an artist, but I'm always curious about the journey to becoming an artist, um, because I know that you've got an MFA from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, is that right? Yes, that's right. But then I'd also read that after you graduated college, you had um, done some stints in architecture, psychology, graphic design, uh, a little bit of of everything. So when uh, when was it that you were able to find your way toward being the artist that you are now?
1: Um, let's see. So as um, you know, as a child and growing up, I always, always was drawing, painting. Um, making art, making, like, little books as a kid. I was just, um, always, like, making up stories. Um, and so it was something that I've always loved to do, but I think, um, you know, I had many, many interests. Like, I just loved all kinds of things, and, um, I was kind of encouraged to go study other things as well. I think, like, a lot of creative kids, you know, are, Told, like, oh, that's great. Um, you can sort of do that as a passion, or on the side, why don't you go explore other things as well? Um, so I um my undergrad, I I actually did start studying ar- architecture, but I realized pretty quickly that it was not for me. Um, and then I my undergrad is in psychology and um other, I did a lot of just, like, humanities and, and, you know, languages, Japanese, all kinds of things like that. And um, I actually thought for a while I was going to be, um, become a therapist. But, um, yeah, I just realized that um, after some time doing that, I just really, really need to do something creative. Um, I, you know that was just, yeah, just in me and, um, calling me. So I studied graphic design. This is so when I moved to New York, I went to study graphic design because I, that was sort of an easy way to get back into the creative fields for me, like to just, you know, start working. I thought, okay, that's like, that's like a profession that I can do. Um, so I pivoted, you know, from psychology. I, I got, um, an associate's degree in graphic design from Parsons, the new school of design. And I worked as a designer for about five to seven years. I don't even remember. And I actually still do some design and I am so happy that I studied that because it really, really helped me and it helps me now when I make books, you know, like there's a lot of design involved. Also, like I am involved in designing like both the interior and covers of my book. Um, so yeah, so that was like really great. But working as a designer, um, I actually worked briefly at a publishing house, which was a really interesting experience. And I think there really, I started feeling like I want to be the content creator myself. So as much as I love designing other people's books, I was like, I I want to do this. I I think I can um I can make a book too. You know, I, I remember as a kid looking at picture books and and feeling as a child like I I can do this one day I think that somewhere along the way I lost my confidence and especially since I haven't been doing it professionally um it seemed very and it seemed kind of this like huge goal um and I mean it still is like uh, every book is like a huge undertaking but um Yeah, so working at the publishing house, I realized that I really want to be doing the content. And so um, it took some time, but I I built a portfolio. And for me, I sort of really felt like it would be very helpful to do an MFA um, in illustration to sort of really get into that field and turn it into a full-time profession. and yeah, and so that's what I did, I, I, I got into the MFA in New York, and um, and, yeah, and I've been doing it since, and so I pivoted again from being a full-time graphic designer to being a full-time author and illustrator. So I hope that answered the, your quick question.
0: It does, but it also raises about three more. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> um... Because well, one thing uh, we should clarify um, uh, just for my own edification and and for folks listening that are might be wondering the same thing, what's the difference between a book designer and then an actual content creator? Because I would feel like if you're designing you're having some input. Where 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 does the line come down where you can't cross when you're the designer versus now when you're it looks like you did almost everything uh, on 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 the sisters. <laughs>
1: Well, so, okay, so the way it works, that's a fantastic question. Um, and it's actually, yeah, it's really um, good to draw the line. So when you work as a book designer, um, you know, publishing houses have art directors, um, designers, graphic designers, they, what they do is essentially put your whole book together. So um, usually what happens, usually, not usually, but in, in many, many cases, um, an editor will acquire a manuscript. Um, let's say we're doing a picture book. So they would acquire a manuscript from an author and then they would hire an illustrator to illustrate the, the book. Um, and if it's a middle grade, because you know, this is a middle grade podcast, um, they might hire an illustrator to create the cover and sometimes maybe some spot illustrations inside the book. Um, and then all of that, that's, so that's what I'm calling the content. And so all of that will come into to the publisher, the editor, you know, will, will edit, they'll put it all together, but then the designer ultimately will put all of that um, together to create the final book that you are holding. Now, there's actually a lot, a lot of people involved, obviously making the book, so, but the designer will lay it out. They'll they'll type, they'll put all the type together. They'll put all the, you know, set all of the um, the text in place, but also, you um, sometimes help the illustrator think of like what the cover will look like they'll put the title on the cover um and then once they design everything that will go to production and then you know production handles like the actual printing so that's that not the designer um so that's just quickly like an overview of what it would look like so as a designer um I was getting um manuscripts and I was working with illustrators and then I would just sort of, you know, start from scratch, open a blank file and place the words. I would, you know, choose the fonts. You know, children's books have, you know, particular fonts, but it also really depends on like the mood and tone of the specific book. Um, you know, is it a funny book? Is it um, a more like sensitive book? You know, what, what is, you know, what's the story being told? Like that all informs like the kind of colors and fonts and layout that I'm going to use, but I was getting, I was getting illustrations from other illustrators, and I was getting words from other authors, and I was putting them together into a beautiful package, but none of it, you know, my name was, so my name was in sort of like inside, like if you open a book, you might see in the back cover, or inside flap, or in the credits, it would say book designed by, right, but your, your name is not on the cover, you're not the creator of the book per se. And so I really wanted to, you know, and I'm on the computer all the time, right? The designer is like, it's all done on the computer. And I really wanted to make the illustrations myself. I really wanted to to, to write the words myself too. Um, and so that was the big change I think that, um, yeah, that that went from being graphic designer to being an illustrator and an author um yeah so and and of course you could be all those things so so now when i make books i am not the there is always a designer or an art director that i work with as a publisher because you know that's a lot to design the whole book and that's not my title but because i have this background in design And it's very important to me what my final book looks like, because I'm, you know, a visual person. I'm an illustrator and designer. I always, like, have a lot of input. Um, And I hope I don't make my designer's life too hard, because I'm like, oh, you know, I want the font to look a certain way. And, you know, when I submit my work, a lot of times, there's some design in it. So that informs a lot of, like, the tone that I want um, the publisher to take. But yeah, but ultimately, it is a collaboration. And I do need to hand over some of that control to the designers and the art directors that I work with because I respect that they have some, you know, the publisher always has some, um, their ideas about what a book, what their books need to look like or if it needs to fit into a certain like um, collection that they have or what marketing wants or certain colors that they want to use. So yeah, I, I it is a collaboration
0: ultimately. Well, obviously you're far enough along in your career that when when you speak, the room quiets and, and everyone listens, and we're okay. We're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. to, um, <laughs> but I've been I was just thinking as we were talking about somebody designs and illustrates the cover, and then our started somebody creates the cover, and then some other joker comes in to design the actual font that's going to go over it. That right away, I can imagine, creates loggerheads occasionally. Uh, And I'm sure you somewhere in there had disagreements uh, about something you've been working on. How have you learned to embrace and accept um, some some suggestions that maybe are more demands than suggestions at times? while keeping a cool head and still uh being happy with the the satisfied product at the end the satisfied the final product yeah. be satisfied with the final product
1: yeah that's a really good question so um i have definitely had you know issues where like i'll get the cover back and i'm like what is this i'm like really not happy with it and yeah it's, it's a negotiation you know again because my name is on the cover of the book and it's my Project, and like I care deeply about what it looks it's gonna look like ultimately. I open the conversation. you know, i I talk, I, I, I just you know, I try to stay as gently and as diplomatically as possible to say like, hey, um, you know this is this is looking great, but I have some issues with X, y, and Z. Do you think it's possible? Oh, and here are some suggestions of mine. Um, I've had a couple of times where my agent had to sort of, you know, intervene as well. In the end, I'm always happy with, what, with the results and the publishers as well. Like you never want to get to a situation where like the editor and publisher are like not happy or, and, but you know, the editors and publishers also really want their authors to be happy. So finding in the end, like a balance, um is really important. And so sometimes like we go through a few rounds of revisions, but I've learned that it's always better to speak up and and say what you want because they sometimes they just genuinely don't know and they do care. So yeah, and, and it's because I'm the artist as well. You know, if I think because I'm the artist as well, they understand that my that I have a strong visual vision for my book. Um, and so they want to hear it, but, you know, a lot of times also, if you, if I work with a great designer, it's also really exciting to see what they can bring to the table and like how they can like, um, sometimes make it stronger. So, um, and I think that definitely was the case with like my, my, more adult book is called the illustrated feminist and that came out last year and that cover was definitely a collaboration with the publisher and i think that ultimately it was the right direction to go even though it wasn't necessarily like what i first um thought it would be but i'm i'm ultimately happy with that and with sisters too you know they really it was it was definitely a collaboration and i think the result is is i'm really happy with it but Um, Yeah, we definitely went through several rounds of iterations until we reached the final um, hard back cover that you will see um, available soon. And it's already available for pre-order if this is, um, but yeah, in November it will be out.
0: With the magic of, of, of time travel, uh, you and I are talking now, but esteemed audience is listening to this if the schedule holds. And <laughs>
1: it
0: does. But if, it, if it does, then they're listening to it. I think about the week after the book has released. So it should, they yeah. should be able to hop on uh, whatever their favorite bookseller is right now and, and order their copy as they're listening yeah. to the
1: talk. Awesome.
0: Okay. So um, something you'd said earlier I wanted to circle back to is you were working in uh, in – for a book publisher doing book design, you're actively learning every aspect of publishing. I assume while you're there, and yet you still feel that it's it's necessary to go and get an MFA in illustration, which I love. But I'm curious, um, what uh, what does an MFA uh, program offer that you can't learn while you're right there in the field, getting your hands dirty?
1: Um, great question. So, as a graphic designer, you know graphic designers some are illustrators, but many are not. Really their expertise is putting, um, designing text and layouts and bringing together different things um, and designing it as a layout. So you're not necessarily an illustrator. And to illustrate and like to draw and illustrate is a whole different um, not like you know expertise and 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 ability. Now I I did have a lot of background in drawing and painting. So I knew I could draw, but I never really learned how to draw for kids. Like I, I used to do a lot of like fine art, like painting, oil painting. Um, I, I I mean I it's something that you can definitely like teach yourself. Um, and I I was drawing for kids but I kind of felt that I wanted to take my my, uh, work to the next level. Um, And I knew that the field of of illustrating for children's book is extremely competitive, which it is, um, and that in order for me to really get into the field, and I also was interested in other illustration too, so I also illustrate, you know, for editorial work or ad campaigns, so I do other kinds of illustrations as well. So I felt that in order to really step up my game, um, I would benefit from an MFA. I think I, think, I think I always wanted to do an MFA. And so an, an MFA in illustration was the perfect fit for me. By no means do I, do I think that everyone needs to do it. I know that it's also like a very big financial um, commitment. Um, I, I took a loan, I'm still paying it back. But for me, it was so, so worth it because it just sort of really helped me, um, first of all, um, embody being an illustrator. I think before that, it was very scary for me to say, I'm an artist, I'm an illustrator, you know, that sort of uh, title. and sort of to become it, like the, the MFA is a two-year program where all you do is like live, breathe, eat illustration. Like all day, you're thinking about it. You're you're working things out. You're meeting you're you're meeting other illustrators who are doing the same thing. You have some you know guidance from professors. You're working on projects, um, and you're able to sort of put other commitments aside. And so for me, that was like an invaluable experience, like that kind of thing, like doing that mental mind shift of like, now I'm an illustrator. This is what I do and really learn it. And so, um, and just being introduced into that field, which I really didn't know anything about professionally. So yes, I knew some of the publishing side, but again, I wasn't the illustrator at the publisher. I saw how they worked with illustrators, but I was just like, how can I be on that other side of things? Um, And just because you work at a publisher, like, doesn't mean you can, you'll be published yourself, right? Like many editors and publishers are not actually published creators themselves, right? So they are the Bookmakers, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So for me, the MFA really helped me enter the field as a professional.
0: So when uh, one more question about becoming an artist, and then by God, we're we're going to talk about the book, and we're going <laughs> to uh, break down uh, some of the the process, some of the work that went into that as well. Um, but when I'm curious, when did you feel that I don't need to? To keep looking for a day job, I don't need to uh, know that I can fall back on on being a therapist or or, or whatever you might do if you weren't um, illustrating and designing. When when did you have that moment of okay, I really can't do this for a living. I can I can let go and, and embrace this now.
1: Wow. So I don't know if it was one moment. I feel like work being a freelancer or sort of an independent artist, um, always has, you know, it's moments of, of uncertainty. And I still feel that a lot. I, I thankfully have um, a husband who has a steady full time job. And that is not, you know, um, he knows when his next paycheck will arrive, whereas I have been an independent, for because because after as a graphic designer, I also worked freelancer for a while. So I was able to sort of do that on my own for the past seven or eight years. But it's it's always you know it's sometimes I feel like oh you know I feel very sh- sure, but sometimes it's like uh, like I'm hustling, and sometimes it's like oh when will Will I have another book? Will I have another project? So um, I, I still sometimes feel like like it's um, an evolving thing. And, and maybe, you know, I'll, and sometimes I do, you know, sometimes I take on extra graphic design work, um, but I'm always looking for new projects, always looking for new things. So, yeah. No one ever promises you, you know, like, um, it's not like a guaranteed job, right? There's no, like, I don't get, like, my monthly paycheck. So it is, it it really is until this day, like, project by project, client by client. But I do have an agent. So that, you know, that's always helpful. So. I
0: think I had this fantasy at one point and I think a lot of artists do that you reach the top of the artist mountain and there's, you know, Leonardo da Vinci and he says, you made it. Here's your guaranteed salary for life. Here are your benefits. You're going to be fine. <laughs> here's here's wealth and fortune.
1: <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I I wish and I wish that for all artists is just, you know, get to that stage. I think that some people, there's absolutely some, you know, superstars that um, I think, their work is guaranteed for life. Certainly, Caldecott uh, winners for picture books, or people who win Newbery awards, or things like that. You know, I think that um, it's it's more certain for them for sure. Um, but yeah, I think just being an artist is um, it's it's it's. I knew it going in, and I I choose it every day. I it's not easy. Um, and I, I feel very, very lucky that I can be doing this as I do.
0: And even now, as I'm talking to you, you've got your book that's uh, releasing. Uh, you've uh, just done the credit sequence for Mrs. America on Hulu, right? This is where... Yeah, are. that's right.
1: Yes, that was
0: very exciting. That's a huge, high-profile deal. I saw you did a number of high-profile ad campaigns. Um so even now you're still feeling like nobody could all go away tomorrow, or is it maybe a little bit more relaxed? It would take three months to all go away. Or,
1: <laughs> You know, I, I think that it's just um, there's just some days where I, I feel like I got this, like I, you know, I've, I've have a bunch of books out i have a few things in the pipeline like it will be okay but then there's other days where it's just really scary you know like i get rejected too and um i send things out that that don't work out um and um this it's a very very competitive um field publishing is also like one of those like really slow things and really you know, sometimes I go to a bookstore, and, which I love, and I look at the children's section and it's unbelievable to me how many new books there are and, and how they're all being made. So, you know, on the one hand, that's, it could be very, very, like, exciting, but it could also be discouraging. And so it's kind of both. It's like, wait, how can I get another book out? But there are so many books, so maybe my, you know, another one can come out um also you know it's it, it's very ha- it, it, it really has to do with trends um and we see like there'll be like a big trend in like nonfiction, and then a trend in sciencey stuff and then a trend in this and a trend in that so you never know like it, are you still going to be relevant five years from now like you want to think yes but maybe not and you constantly have to evolve right so like Sometimes I look at my work from two years ago and I am like, oh, like I, you know, I mean, maybe from the outside or someone will say, oh yeah, it's definitely like you all, it all looks the same. But, you know, I want to think that I'm, you know, evolving and getting better and improving and sort of sometimes you have to like modify your work or make it like fit to the current moment. Um, And there's always like new artists going on. So anyways, all this to say, is that I absolutely do not feel like I can rest on my laurels and like, "Oh, this is guaranteed for life." Um, not at all. <laughs> I feel like I constantly have to like get myself out there, get more work, get more visibility. How can I get my books to more readers? Um, and how can I constantly grow and improve and get better, for sure, for sure? as an illustrator, as an author, um, as an artist, yeah.
0: I had read that you have a rule that you draw at least one picture every day. Is that right?
1: Um, I definitely, yes, I definitely try to. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a rule, but I, I, yes, I definitely feel, I definitely create something every day if it's either write or draw every single day.
0: And we're talking like um, evening, your birthday, the 4th of July, whatever your whatever
1: your. <laughs> well, you know, if I'm like on a transatl- Atlantic flight, um, which hasn't happened for a while and with my three kids and like, I don't know, I'm in a car and, you know, sometimes not, but I like, it usually happens that like, even if it's just like a few lines, like I write in my phone. And so it's very easy for me to play, pull out my phone and I'm like, Oh, I have an idea and I'll just put it down um, or you know, draw at night or something like that. So um, yeah, um, I, I do try to do it every day. And then of course there's some days I, I don't, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> you and I find I'm gonna project onto you a little bit because this is something I do. Every book that I'm working on is simultaneously my greatest failure Why was I even thinking of taking this project on? But also the greatest thing I've ever written and possibly the greatest book humanity will ever have read uh, when it's finished. Uh, Do you validate as well? Um, And and do you feel a renewed confidence in yourself as an artist and and unbelievable highs followed by some lows? Or have you managed to to keep it a little bit more even keel?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely highs and lows and like all the time. And I constantly have to remind myself that it's okay like it's waves. like I'll be feeling really low one day or really high another and I'll say okay it's all temporary and this is just part of the creative process I think this is something that took me a while to also really embrace um, because there'll be hard days and days where I feel like everything I do is just bad and like no one's gonna ever want to like you know acquire it or look at it um or you know and i have to remind myself that it's just part of the deal and and if there's something really hard like that like working through something and um in order to like create something great in the end like it's just it's not all like you know all the time, rainbows and sunshine and, and unicorns. Like there's days where it just feels really, really painful. Um, and then just some days where maybe you just don't even have energy to do things. Like you said, you know, it's a rule. Like there's some, there's sometimes times where I just, I am maybe not in a place to create, but I am in a place where I need to just sort of fill myself up, if that makes sense. Because, you know, Constantly having creative input is also, like, really draining and, and, and can be really exhausting. So, like, sometimes I'll have periods where I'm, I feel so creative and so energized and so inspired. And I'll be just, like, working and, and creating stuff and making new images and, you know, have new ideas and just, like, all's great. And then all of a sudden I'll have this, like, crash or I'll feel like I don't know what to do. I don't have any new ideas ideas. I don't, um, everything I'm making is bad. And so then I remind myself like, okay, this is time maybe that I need to sort of like re-energize, rejuvenate, fill up my cup again, um, find a way to be inspired in order to create again. So it's this constant, like sort of filling up and putting things out there. And then you know, and then again, and then again with the highs and lows, like it's going to come and it's going to go. And every, and I, I feel like talking with other creatives, hearing other creatives, it's sort of comforting to know that many, many people share the same experience. But this is just, you know, part of the game is to um, working through something, you know, sort of walking through the forest, collecting things like fighting the, fighting the, the fear or, or the hard stuff in order to get to the other side with the work that you're really happy with. And I almost feel like the struggle helps you work things out and come ultimately, hopefully to a better result.
0: Let's talk uh, about, I want to talk about your, your process in creating a book, but let's do it while we talk about Spectacular Sisters Amazing Stories of Sisters from Around the World, which released here in November 9, 2021. Uh, head to your preferred bookseller, esteemed audience, get your copy as we're as we're talking. Uh, per my promise earlier, I will never uh, describe your book to you. So what does esteemed audience need to know about Spectacular Sisters? Yeah, well, thank you.
1: So... Spectacular Sisters is a nonfiction collection of stories about sisters um, from around the world, um, from history, but also um, contemporary sisters as well. So um, it has, I believe, 42 stories um, about sisters. Some are mostly our sister pairs, but some of them are groups of three or more sisters. And um, have some sort of you know notable uh, story. So either one of them is a famous, or they did some like really cool thing together, some accomplishment. Um, and some are like really famous. Um, like I have the um, let's see, I have the Obama sisters in there. I have um, the Kardashian sisters in there, as per my editor's request. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have some, like you know, lesser, like lesser-known names or sisters that people might have never heard about. Um, that I thought their their story was interesting. So yeah, it's um, all about the sisters, and I tried to, in each case, um, of course, it's about their lives, but also talk about their relationship and if there was any, like uh, you know. Some juicy details about their their story.
0: And you yourself have got two brothers and two sisters, and are raising three daughters. Do I have the math right on all that? Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: correct.
0: You've yeah. got uh, you've got plenty of experience with with sisterhood.
1: <laughs> yes, um, and um, yes, being a sister and having sisters and being a mom of three sisters, you know, is just um, a really big part of my life. And I um, have always been fascinated by this relationship of being a sister. You know, it's such a fascinatingly complex relationship um, between girls or women, um, having this sort of person who's so close Uh, and could be in many ways so similar to you and shares like so many memories. Um, Obviously parents um, growing up together in some cases, Um, but is also often very, very different and has a whole different life, you know, later. Um, And so, yeah, it just has, it just creates this really special, bond and friendship but also potentially uh rivalry or competitiveness um so yeah like all the feelings you know um and of course these all can are just in any deep relationship if it's a, a you know a, a spouse a romantic partner or just a close friend but i feel like yeah sisterhood um yeah is very powerful and so it was interesting for me to read and research stories about um, sisters from all over, from different cultures, um, from different moments in history and see, uh, you know, how, how their relationships uh, worked or did not work in some cases and, or if they did anything together or sometimes, you know, if it's a story of like a very uh, famous woman um it was sort of interesting to read about her lesser-known sister right and how her sister um fared like you know in either in the shadow of her famous sister or alongside her or um yeah so all of those were, were super interesting to me um to explore and research and illustrate
0: so a project like this um is obviously in your wheelhouse um is this do you come to your agent your publisher and say hey I've got a great idea for a book do they come to you and say hey we want to do a book some combination there how's the ball get rolling
1: so usually in most cases it's me who has an idea um and so I usually like it will start with an idea and I'll run it with my agent first just sort of an idea like throw it at her and say like hey do you think this could potentially be something? And then she'll, you know, we'll talk about it and she'll either say, yeah, I love it. Or, you know, this has been done before or, you know, we'll just um, talk about things. And then if she thinks it's a great idea, then it's just really, I put together some sort of like basic proposal, um, which usually, I mean, again, it depends on the project. With sisters, what I did is I created some, Uh, sample chapters with text and illustrations and everything, as well as a complete table of contents of what I vision a book like this can be. Um, I don't remember, but I might've included an introduction too. Um, And so then I put together like a whole proposal like this. I I polish it with my agent and then she submits it um, to the publishers. Um, With Sisters, I actually first discuss the idea well the the original idea happened like way back when I was doing my MFA actually I had the seed of the idea there I knew that I wanted to do a project about sisters and I didn't know what form it was going to take I didn't know if it was going to be fiction nonfiction. at first I thought maybe I just like interview just like random sisters that I meet um or maybe it's just going to be fictionalized stories about this. I wasn't sure, um, and I was playing with all kinds of ideas. Um, and then at some point, I did have a discussion with an editor, a children's book editor, who said she'd love to see a collection of stories about uh, fiction, uh, nonfiction, a nonfiction collection of stories. Um, so I think this came up when I floated with her, like just like different thoughts that I had about, about the books. This editor ultimately um, could not acquire the book for different reasons, but I still had made the whole proposal. And so um, I was delighted that um, it found a home with a different publisher. So it was a long, it actually it was a really long process, like the whole um, story of sisters, like from you know an idea in 2016 to being acquired I think it was in, I think it was acquired in 2018 or 2019 until coming out now um, in 2021. So yeah, it's been a long time in the making.
0: It's lots more of those highs and lows we were, uh, <laughs> we were talking. Yeah,
1: for sure. Every book is a journey.
0: <laughs> so when you start, uh, you mentioned you, you had your own table of contents. So I'm assuming you've already, picked out your ideal pairings of sisters and then your editor comes and says, ah, oh, don't think we're not putting the Kardashians in there because we definitely are. Or <laughs> how, 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 how do you go about deciding uh, what sisters uh, that you're going to focus on and then what order the, 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 they're going to appear in the book?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. So um, I did, a, like, exactly. I did a lot of research at first, like just finding sisters that I thought were interesting to put in the book then i compile the list but then um working with the editor it was really important for both of us to make sure the list is inclusive and diverse so like not just have you know um white sisters in there or only american sisters in there or like uh you know a certain type of profession kind of sisters in there you know i really wanted to have like a broad range of, of different kinds of sisters um, and make sure, um, yeah, that it's inclusive. And then like, um, and then like for example, um, at like the last possible minute to edit, like it was, it was right before the elections of 2020. And I said like, how cool would it be to include Kamala Harris and her sister Maya in the book? And so that was like a very, very final edit. We were able to squeeze them in. Um, so they made it, for example. So it was like the table of contents was a dynamic, um, dynamic for sure. Um, but we did. And so even after I wrote most of the entries, we were still like um, making some tweaks to that and like me, you know, making like final entries at the last minute.
0: And were there sisters that ended up on the cutting room floor?
1: Yes, they were definitely sisters that, they, that were edited out, yes. And that, um, there was, for example, um, there were a pair of sisters um, of, of confederate spies that were cut off. <laughs> um, they had a very interesting story, but we decided that they are not going to make the cut. Um, there was another pair of sisters that, um, the sensitivity reader had caught something in their background that was, um, like, they were, like, from the 1920s, and it, it seemed a little bit, they were involved in some sort of, like, racist comment thing, I don't, which I did not, um, pick up on my research and I am so, so grateful that the sensitivity reader caught that. And so they did not make the cut. So um, uh, yeah, so we, we took some, some of them out. Um, one example though of sisters that my editor wasn't sure about at first um, was a pair of warrior sisters um, from like ancient Vietnam that she thought maybe we should cut out because they were warriors. And we decided to leave them in ultimately because it's just an interesting story. And I think that kids can handle it. And it's also like half myth. And so um, she was persuaded to leave those in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so those are some examples.
0: How terrible if you're the the, the good, Famous sister that you know did everything right, uh, built children's hospitals, and then your other sister is drawing racist comics and I don't know killed seven people or whatever. And how? And and now you can't make the cut. How frustrating! But I suppose yes. that's the, the dynamics <laughs> of sisterhood, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. That that's we just not everyone could make the book, and so we we made some decisions there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then um, with, uh, with, a, uh, well, with a project like this, where you're drawing, you're writing, you're doing the research, you're wearing every hat there is uh, to do, how do you, uh, I, how do you approach a, a sister pair and where do you start? Do you start, I assume, with research? Do you do some illustration? When do you start drawing versus when are you writing? Are you doing it all simultaneously or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so for um, sisters, is- Um, I think definitely I started with just doing as much research as I can about, um, the sisters, both about like them as a pair, but usually individually as well, because a lot of times, like, like I said, like there'll be one that's more famous than the other. And it's one that's just harder to find information about. Um, so yeah, like just read everything I can look at a lot of their images and then just start writing out, um, sort of like a joint biography about them. so sort of synthesize everything together. And then it, it, it was helpful for me to sort of write something out first and then illustrate it because sometimes um, after writing up the story, I would get an idea for what I want the illustration to be, right? So once I get like more knowledge and information and, 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 and like a juicy detail, also I'm like, oh, that would work perfect for the illustration, you know? So, um, or the mood or the tone or like the relationship. Um, to inform like what I want the illustrated piece to look like so yeah so I kind of wrote up a first draft and then also made sketches and those all went to the publisher and then we had several rounds of revisions where I would get um, edits both for the text and then sometimes like you know comments on the sketches Um, and then I created the final illustrations. I have, if you'll see in the book, there's also like every sister pair has both like a full color illustration, but then also like little spots inside. Um, And so I worked on all of those and, and, and then just had some like text revisions. And then the cover comes at the end. So after like all the inside is basically done, That goes to like proofreading and the designer, and then I worked on the cover. Um, So yeah, that's the process.
0: When you're doing a little bit of everything like that, do you ever feel like you're done with the project, or just they tell you, "No, it's time. You have to stop. We we, we have to publish this now." (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's such a good question. You know, looking. Almost every time I look at like one of my previous books, I'm like, oh, I should have done this. I should have changed this. This could be better. I almost never think like that something's finished. Um, luckily, there are deadlines because otherwise I would just be working on things forever and ever. And so it's good that the publisher is like, nope, it's done. It's ready to go. Um so that, that's helpful, because at some point, you know, you got to say, like, it's finished. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's finished. Um, yeah, there's always more tweaks that can be made, for sure.
0: One trick I found, because, uh, you know, if I pick up an, an older book, then I'm like, oh, my God, let me change this real quick. <laughs> let me, let, me, let me just change. I can make it a little bit better. Give me a moment. As I just think, no, that's not my book. That's me from the past book. I remember who I was on the date that was published and that he wrote that book and now the new and improved me is here and he wouldn't write that book but he's writing this one in that way or I'm very impressed me from the past did that I'll never be as good as he was <laughs> some somewhere <laughs> in between helps out I think a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I try to give myself some grace and say you know what I've learned since I'm you know I've improved in this and this and also like you said sort of like respect that work for what it is like say you know what I put a lot of effort into it other people did too and it's 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 its own thing now right it's, an, it's a separate entity from me and respect it is due for 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 the thing that it is yeah <laughs>
0: And then um, I'm curious, because I know you've written a, a, a lot of biographies, which, of course, this is a little bit as well. You've done a book for what Steve Jobs, for Gloria Steinem, um, for, for a number of folks. And when you're writing for a, um, a, a biography for a famous person like that, does that let some of that pressure off that, uh, oh, maybe it's not me, it's just that Steve Jobs Ah, uh, people hate him this year. So that's that, that. That's not me. Or does it also feed into your insecurity? I didn't do a great job. It's because Steve Jobs is so great that everybody wants to read this book.
1: Um, to a degree. Uh, f- first, I want to say and clarify that the Steve Jobs books I only illustrated. There's a different author, so I, I just illustrated that book, which I do sometimes. Sometimes I illustrate um, for other authors. Um, the my. First picture book biography was about Gloria Steinem, and that I wrote and illustrated. And I have more um, biographies um, coming out um, this year, next year. Um, but yeah, there's something about that. I think sort of uh, saying, well, exactly. Like it's their story, uh, it's them, and um, sometimes they're a figure that not everyone relates to. So. Yeah, there's there's some of that, um, for sure, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, it's also like a lot of responsibility, right? Like with Gloria Steinem, I definitely felt a lot of responsibility because she's such a well-known, respected figure. Um, and I am making a kid's book about her, you know, Um. I am telling her a story, so there's a lot of, yeah, it's also a little bit, sometimes it's even more scary in that regard, you know?
0: <laughs> well, because yeah. you're younger readers, I mean, there's a possibility this might be the very first time they're ever encountering Gloria Steinem, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and also that's how I see it, it's sort of like an introduction, like a gateway, right, into like learning about her and making it accessible and child-friendly, and, um, but but still, um, you know, still meaningful and interesting and, and, yeah, and reflective of, like, the people, of of who the person is. So, yeah, it's it's a very cool and interesting challenge to write a biography for kids, for sure. Um, I find it very uh, fun, and if I'm, Like, and it's only for people that I'm like really inspired by, right? So because I'm like really interested and inspired by a person, then telling their story in a way that's appealing for kids is, I find it really, like a really creative, cool challenge.
0: And there's seemed to be a definite uh, theme to your work. You've done, you know, The 100 Feminists, now Spectacular Sisters, Gloria Steinem. this suggests to me that either you're consistently picking or gravitating toward projects with um, uh, strong themes of feminism or that that's become your brand and people say oh we have a a project with themes of strong feminism let's go contact dora lewis
1: (laughs) yeah i mean in a way it's a a bit of both I'm, i'm definitely making work that i resonate with and feel passionate about so i'm definitely passionate about feminism and women's stories and, and, and issues um, and inspiring kids with um, you know, strong female uh, role models. So absolutely. Um, but I'm also interested in other things. Like I have a book that I made that came out last year called We the People, which is an illustrated um, exploration of the constitution that I made with a collaborator, Evan Sargent. Um, and so I am interested in in other things as well so in a way yeah I mean if you look at my body of work it's definitely for now like like almost like a branded thing but um yeah I and I think and I think I'll always be interested in 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 doing work about uh, women and, and for girls and, and in all of those facets. Um. but yeah I'm also interested in other things so see where I can incorporate that um as well and I'm also trying to do some um fiction work so we'll see how that turns out.
0: Do you have um passion projects that you're still hoping to get to uh one of these days like a like a list that I can slowly cross off each of these things that I that I want to do?
1: um so how do you mean like in addition to to books or like
0: yeah like uh for example I I've always wanted to hit every genre and I haven't written a romance yet but I know that if you know long enough timeline I'm gonna write one if for no other reason but I can check off that box that okay I hit that genre too
1: <laughs> okay yeah so I mean I just mentioned that I'm working on fiction so I so far all of my books that I wrote have been nonfiction, and I would love, love, love to get a book of fiction of mine um, out there, so um, it doesn't have to be necessarily like, you know, a novel, but like if it's just like something that I created that's not based on like a biography or something like that. So that's definitely a goal that I have. Yeah for sure. Uh, I wanted to
0: talk, I'm, I'm watching our time, and I see it slipping away, like, oh, where, where's it going? Uh, but I <laughs> want to talk a little bit about Mrs. America, because um, I was so thrilled when I saw the the credit sequence that, oh, this is this is very much an Aura Lewis credit sequence. Uh, in fact, I, did I spy the Gloria Steinem cover in there, or am I dreaming that?
1: <laughs> so, um, I couldn't use the original Gloria Steinem cover because that is, you know, the publisher's. the publisher has the right to that, but the um the people who created the sequence so like the the studio um is called you and co and they are based in la and they were hired to make the sequence to the fabulous show mrs america which i think is fantastic um so they actually i think that it was the director of the show that saw my gloria book and was and, and loved the vibe of it and like was looking for something in that Uh, style of like that sort of invokes like the 70s feel because it's a very much like a 1970s kind of uh, show. So they reached out to me because of that Gloria cover. So that was just a super, super cool story. Um, And it's a crazy story, but I was actually in Vietnam at the time when they reached out to me out of the blue to, to work with them on this title sequence. And so because they really loved the Gloria cover, I created... I, I did, they, they, we, we created a magazine cover um, with Gloria, but I, I created a new, like a little bit older version of Gloria, uh, I mean, not older version, because also the kids book is an older version of Gloria, but a, maybe a more, um, like just a, a one that was more tailored to the credit sequence um, that they were looking for. So yeah, that was just a really, really super cool project to work on
0: and when you're working on a project like that um, is it assumed as you go that at any point the producers could change their mind and say nope we've decided that we want to do just big ugly title cards <laughs> or pictures of the the you know we've got kate Blanchett, let's put her up front um was there was there a, was there a sense of oh this probably won't be in the show anyway or at what point were you assured that nope this is definitely going to be the opening
1: yeah you know with things like that they can get killed at the final moment like literally like you can work on something and then like at the end the the directors and the show runners will be like nope we want just this so absolutely the whole time I was working on it first of all like we worked I worked on a lot of images that did not make um make it into the final sequence um things were constantly being changed constantly being modified constantly like changing direction um so until like they said like it's it's up it's running like it was um scary (laughs) and it was just really really cool that it all worked out and and it was it i'm the result i think is so fun so yeah
0: following the social media of previous guest Hugh Howie. Uh, and he's literally standing on the set that they've built for his novel Wool, talking to the actress who's going to play Juliet uh, and he's still tweeting out, I don't know if the show will ever make it to air <laughs> because, because he's, you know, he, he just knows that movie deals have a way of changing and, and falling apart at the last minute. Uh, did you know that it was going to be the, was the fifth of Beethoven that they were going to play? So were you listening to that while you were, were drawing or did you have no idea what song they were going gonna to end up choosing?
1: That, that song um, came in uh, like somewhere in the middle. So it wasn't in the beginning. They didn't know what song they were going to use. And then it sort of like um, they were playing around with it. And then it just sort of stayed because it worked so well. So yeah, the minute they, once they knew about that, that was like in the back of my mind. And it's a really fun um, rendition of that
0: yeah so well let's see our, our time is it's, it's almost over i gotta ask yeah, as you said was it
1: was gonna fly, fly by,
0: by. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been an absolute blast i've so enjoyed uh, chatting with you this morning uh but esteemed audience knows that i would never end the show uh without asking because i ask every guest uh or lewis have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost
1: I wish I did you know I, I never have um, but I definitely believe that there are um, things that we can't explain and don't have knowledge to or might never have knowledge to like um, definitely you know if it's in the spiritual realm or uh, otherworldly or yeah I, I, I think that these things um exist and i so i've never seen a ghost or a, or a flying or a saucer or anything like that but i i do feel like i've lived a past life oh <laughs> for sure yeah i just feel like i've been here before sometimes so um yeah i don't know a lot but i i definitely um yeah so
0: I mean, do you have an idea of, of who you might have been, or is it just elements of déjà vu that make you think that? Hey, hang on, wait a minute. What is it that, that gives um, you suspicion?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's just uh, I I don't I don't have any concrete thing, and again, it's just like a feeling. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's sometimes a déjà vu, or like um, I'll feel like I've have um, memories of. Um, just in things and, and music that that often is is familiar though I've never heard of heard before um, things like this of moments when I'm like I'm nostalgic for things that I've never experienced um, yeah so it's just things like that
0: Whenever the subject of past lives comes up, because I figure you can't remember who you were necessarily anyway. Just I can't. I always tell people, oh, I was William Shakespeare.
1: Why not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> hey, who knows. <laughs> Love that. My uh,
0: last question is always some variation of if uh, you could go back toward the start of your career, middle of your career, whenever it would have been helpful to you to give yourself some advice that would have made things easier for you and maybe would make things easier for everybody watching or listening to us now, what would you go back and uh, tell yourself?
1: Hmm. I think, I think that, and I think, and this is nothing new, but I, feel like it's always helpful for me to remember that the best work comes when I do something that I deeply care about and that I'm inspired about and excited about and not to try to like think of like what someone else might want me to do or like what's you know what's being done or of course like it's good to know what's being done but to try to like something to come out because like you think you should or you have to I think like ultimately those things it will feel flop um, and I think that um just to just really go in and think like what do you want to make what do you want to create what are you interested in what is um like fun for you to do um and just yeah and that's where the best work comes from from that passionate place um, and again this is nothing new but it's I just feel like it's so so true um yeah that is I think the most important thing um for me yeah
0: where can esteemed audience find you online Follow you on social media and all that good stuff
1: yeah, so it's easy to find me online. If you just look up my name, Aura Lewis, it's A U R A. Um, you'll find my website. You'll find um me on Instagram. Uh, also just with you know um my name. I'm I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, but I really am not a huge user of social media. But um, I think my my biggest um um. One is Instagram. So yeah, you can definitely find me there. And and, and my books. My books in online and in bookstores too.
0: Uh, and don't forget to get your happy, esteemed audience of Spectacular Sisters, uh, which was released here November 9th. You can enjoy it right now. Um, As always, head to MiddleGradeNinja.com for interviews with all of the best people, the editors, the literary agents, the authors you crave. The folks you want to know more about, they're available there. Download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. And as always, God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.